Hey guys, Montel here, and welcome to this edition of Let's Be Blunt with Montel. My guest today has dedicated her life and her career, really, to inspiring humanity to understand the blessings in plant medicine. She's a passionate cannabis advocate, researcher, and entrepreneur with almost two decades of cannabis and legal experience, both in the public and private sectors. She volunteers as the executive director of the Illinois chapter of Normal, the nonprofit Normal, Margot Vaselli, Vaselli Stone. I'm sorry, I almost got that wrong. Please welcome back to Let's Be Blunt with Montel. Thank you so much for having me back, Montel. It's so good to see you again. It's so good to see you again. And you just told me right before we went on air that your last name had changed. That's why I got it wrong. Vaselli Stone. So, and that means what did you say? Yeah, my last name in Czech means happy, Vaselli, and stone. So now I'm a happy stone. There you go. <laughs> brand. That's kind of perfect moniker for yourself. It's yeah. great to have you back. I mean, you were here on a show about two years ago. And what's been going on since we last spoke? Oh, yeah. Lots have has happened. The one um, get married. Yeah, we got, yeah. yeah, that's the biggest thing, yes. <laughs> um, but beyond that, I am now the executive director for Illinois Normal, which okay. is the chapter, one chapter of all the national, there's almost a chapter in every state now, of the National Organization for Reform Marijuana Law. That's incredible. And you're planning to introduce some educational programs in your Illinois chapter, right? Why don't you tell us a little bit about it? Yes. So starting this summer, we're providing education to senior centers with some of our partners called uh, Acute on Chronic is the brand name. It's a group of doctors that um, offer accredited education on the endocannabinoid system to physicians and nurses. So this is backtracking, providing the continued education because now they're only teaching in medical schools about endocannabinoid systems, but we still have to teach, reteach all the current physicians and nurses in existence that weren't in medical school right now. So we are partnered together to go to senior centers to provide that education. And what I'm doing with Illinois Normal is busing seniors to local dispensaries to basically handhold them and educate them to what to look for, how to ask for it, and how to consume safely and properly for themselves. So you're not only educating the consumer, you're also educating some of the service providers. Exactly. We're tag teaming, going after both sides, because if the patient is educated and consuming, but the physicians and nurses that are taking care of them aren't, there could be some conflict because, you know, if they're not understanding fully of what's going on with the patient and it could seem like they're going behind their back. So everyone has to be educated at the same level so that we can be able to normalize it, essentially. Well, how's, how's this being received, you know, from some of the uh, care providers? Oh, we have gotten such great feedback. So I've been in the last year going around to different libraries across the state to provide free education. And that's how the ball started rolling with this. There was more and more seniors showing up at these library events. And one of them just approached me and said, you should bring this to a senior center. And when the librarian heard that, she's like, if that happens, we have so many connections that we're going to put you in touch with. So we started that way. But when I approached uh, Rebecca Abraham from Acute on Chronic about this, she had told me that she had a new contract. I can't exactly tell who it is, but it's a really big senior center that's nationwide. 
and they had approached Acute on Chronic about providing this education already too. Well, I think one of the things, maybe just, just talk about for just a, a second. I think, you know, as this burgeoning industry blossoms across the country, I think a lot of people are have been to even in the industry, when you talk about educating, you need to educate people in this industry also about that endocannabinoid system and make them understand what they are actually trying to tell people when they walk into dispensaries. But what we're starting to see across America is that the growing demographic of consumers in the baby boomer population is literally getting ready to come become one of the biggest populations consuming. And why? Because, I mean, number one, they have pretty much most of the disposable income in America. And number two, you know, the ones with probably the greatest need for cannabinoids. Yes, absolutely. And I was doing research on this proposal with Acute on Chronic and came across on the CDC website that there has been a 333% increase of seniors turning to alternative medicines rather than utilizing prescriptions. No, it sounds a butts. I mean, I think, and that's not just here in the United States, but that's all over the world. I mean, we've known now since what, 2011, 12, 10, 11, or 12, and I don't know exactly, can't remember which year, that, you know, cannabis has been considered a geriatric drug in places like Israel and Spain and other places where they literally are recommending for people once they hit the age 55 uh, and older to, to utilize cannabis on a daily basis because they recognize its benefits you know, uh, in reducing some other pharmaceutical needs. Yeah, definitely. I, I, I've heard and seen um, research or articles on the fact that Israel has dispensaries inside of their hospitals. They have been, they, exactly, well, let me tell you something. I was there in 2000, I think it was 11. I can't remember now which year it was, 10 or 11. I was there and they didn't nearly even have a dispensary. You could literally take your ID card, your driver's license or ID, down to about five different hospitals, walk in. If you showed them, they gave you and introduced you with cannabis to, to cannabis by giving you an eighth. So you could walk in and get it for free. Part of the reason why is because they know that it's helped reduce the amount of pharmaceutical drugs that has, has had been imported in, or imported into the country. Yeah, I mean, that's where our uh, leading founder scientist, Rafael Machulam, I know I'm saying Correct. his last name. Machulam, I yeah, but he just recently passed away, rest in peace, where he was able to isolate that THC compound. And he had to go and get that uh, sample for, illegally, technically. But luckily, he was able to get the government to sign off on the fact that he was going to go get some compensated uh, cannabis, you know, from some police station behind scenes. But so yeah, most people know that the research that he was doing there in Israel was funded by us. We did a lot of work in helping to fund his research. And Michelle, not only being the grandfather of, or the godfather and discoverer of THC, but he's also the person who identified first CB1 and CB2 receptors, part of the endocannabinoid system, because they were trying to figure out how does THC work? And he went on to discover the fact that there were multiple cannabinoids. And unfortunately, you're right. He did pass not a lot of fanfare in his passing, especially it should have come from this industry. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, the market, the industry is currently focused on the current stoner, the typical, you know, person that goes to the dispensary is going to be someone in the middle age group. But like you were saying, there is a growing demographic that has been untapped right now. But even beyond that, I think. Oh, let, me, let me just tell you this. I have product in the marketplace in Boston. I've probably done 30 
dispensary visits over the course of the last year and a half. And when I'm there, the majority of the patients who come walking through the door are baby boomers, not necessarily the 25 to 35. And part of the reason for that is because, you know, um, we know that, again, the baby boomer population has is the, is probably the most uh, has the most disposable income of any demographic in America today. And so when I'm at the dispensary, it's very interesting. I watch people come in and I normally see the 35 and below. They come in, they buy two blunts, they walk out the door. They come in, they buy an eighth, they walk out the door. You watch uh, a baby boomer walk in and they walk out with $200 worth of product. Mm-hmm. Yes, so absolutely. We're going to start to catch up all over the country. I think where if we started to really recognize, first off, it's not about even those who are rec users. I don't believe anybody in the country is really a recreational user. I believe anybody who gravitates to cannabis is gravitating to cannabis because they are a medicinal for medical reasons. If you come home from work and you want to relax and feel better, that's medical. That's not just recreational. If you come home from work and you want to go be able to go to sleep easier and you use cannabis, that's a medical reason to sleep better. If you want to reduce your anxiety, that's a med- better another reason to use cannabis. That's a medical reason. So I think all of the Rec versus medical should just get thrown out the window and let's just start talking about using a plant-based medicine for what its value is really for. Absolutely. Well, I just want to retract with what I was saying. I'm saying that the industry is marketing. They're focusing on the foreground, right? But I'm so happy. And it's true. There's so many more of the older age generation that are coming to it, but they're lacking the education, the understanding. A lot of them are scared because if they're very sensitive, their endocannabinoid systems, as we age, become more and more sensitive. So if they take THC, like a 10 milligram gummy like you and I could take, it's going to blast them off. And that may scare them, deter them from trying it again in the future. So, we're, also, we're also too too reliant on one single can- cannabinoid or possibly two, where there are so many more that are of value and can actually accentuate your euphoria or actually modulate your euphoria. I mean, I have products in the marketplace in uh, Massachusetts right now for separate vape cart formulations. One of them is THC and CBD, 90% THC and 10% CBD. The other one is one-to-one. I have another one that is THC, CBD, and CBG. I have another one that is THC, CBD, CBC, and CBN. So, and every one of those formulations that I have, I have particular terpenes that go along with each one of them. And it's because science is finally catching up. We do understand that this is not, you know, a one cannabinoid fits all. It is what Mashum said from day one. It's an entourage effect that we all should be trying to see because that's what our endocannabinoid system is looking for, is the entourage effect. Why aren't you in Illinois? How come I don't see you here? We are trying diligently to get there. So, you know, maybe you can help us out on the ground there. I'm trying to find a partner in Illinois. Right now, we are we are in mass. I'm about to launch in Georgia in 35 days. I have had conversations already about being in Missouri, um, and I'm looking really hard to get into Illinois. So if you know anybody who's, who wants to have some some true cannabis science applied to what they're doing, tell them, please reach out. We'd love to hear from them. Yes. And that I'm so happy that you brought that up because that is something that is still not grasped by the whole general population within cannabis consumers in general is the fact that there are these other cannabinoids that will help target certain conditions. Like I take THCV 
every morning. Mm -hmm. I take a few drops in a tincture and that helps curb my appetite. And that I could not believe even during the time of the month took away my cravings. Right. And I have over the year lost over 35 pounds effortlessly. I haven't put in any diet restrictions. I still eat things that I like, but it just is smaller amounts. I can tell myself, hey, now is too enough. I don't need any more. Absolutely. And, there's, and, it, and there's, there's so much science being done right now that's been peer reviewed, published, that's out there and all people have to do is really start digging in and looking that up. But you know, everything from CBG, CBGA, CBDA, we're missing out on so much because we're in an industry that got caught up in this whole idea of, you know, the, the, the more THC, the higher you'll get, which is also a fallacy. It's not true. Your endocannabinoid system is only going to be able to process, but so much of this at a time, though you may think that, you're fooling yourself when you think that, oh, our bar shumpers got 30% THC. Yeah, right. Whatever. You know, that's what you think it has in it. But even if it does, and if it tests it out and we can say that, okay, we believe the test, your body's not absorbing all that 30% at the same time. It's slowly absorbing what it needs and the rest of it's not going to accept. Mm -hmm. So the truth of the matter is we need to back off this idea of this marketing as, you know, television and marketers have done for the last hundred years, 18 and 34, this is a, is a product that works multi-generationally till death. Yeah. And I think it's put a bad image for everyone as oh, in general, right? We don't would, want to have kids uh, dabbing and overdoing it. I've had a you know, former high school friend come to me that's a Chicago police officer and saying, oh, you don't know how many bodies I've pulled out after kids have dabbed in the car. They shouldn't be doing that in the car, oh. first and foremost. Um, there's still you know, restrictions, just like with drinking alcohol or taking any of your prescription medication, there are still restrictions of operating heavy machinery just the same. But oh. uh, now that we start targeting and focusing on the senior population, we will see the massive change that we all so desperately want here in the nation because who are the main voters too? Well, and not only who are the main voters, but what most people in this industry aren't even paying attention to is the fact that as legislatures across the country come together to pass more cannabis laws, who are the legislators? Look at the age of your legislators. They are majority baby boomers. Why? Because they recognize that they smoked a joint under the bleacher when they were in high school and they still had a pretty successful career. So those are people who are accepting this for us now. And we need to respect the entire cross-section demographically of everybody who has the ability to come to and use this plant. Um, what are some of your other priorities that you have that uh, you're doing in the state of Illinois? Well, um, before I jump into that, I just want to add something that I really just think would be valuable for everyone to kind of understand sure. is that we just came out of a pandemic where we were told and forced to do something a certain particular way. You know, whether you were on one side or the other doesn't matter, but we were being told to do something and it went down, shoved down our throats. At this point in time, we're all desperately just wanting to have the free will to make our own choices at this point. We want to understand what the options are and allow us to make that choice that we find fit for our own health and our family's health. It's so ridiculous that during the pandemic, we recognize there are multiple peer-reviewed published documents out there talking about how cannabis and cannabinoids affected the, um, the virus. 
And we know that was a fact. It affect the virus. As a matter of fact, and I, you know, though it's anecdotal, there has not been any real studies that have confirmed it yet. I mean, there seems to be those who were cannabis consumers seem to have had lesser chance of contracting the virus and also seem to have recovered from the virus if they got it a little quicker than others. So, I mean, the truth to the matter is that cannabis was and will always be, there are certain cannabinoids that do have antiviral capabilities. We've seen science study that from here to eternity. Um, uh, I think there's a study out of Australia that showed that, you know, uh, cannabinoids seem to block the COVID virus from being able to permeate cells. And again, why? Because cannabis regulates our cellular homeostasis. People don't get it. They put the two together. You recognize that cannabis homeostasis would help you block possibly getting COVID to begin with. So, or at least having a lesser of a, of a, a battle with it when you had it. Again, what I love I'm saying, your passion. I love your passion. It's well, giving me energy too. Well, you know, I got to tell you, it's, it's because I've been doing this for 22 years and I'm at the point right now where I'm just so, you know, frustrated in multiple ways. I'm frustrated by a nation that won't recognize the fact that there's a substance here that could help ameliorate a lot of problems that a lot of people have without so expensive of a cost, but because we are so caught up in trying to make every buck we can off of everything from taxes on down, you know, we thwart the ability for this industry to truly expand the way it should. Um, I'm frustrated that way, but I'm also frustrated in our own industry because we don't spend the time. There's so many people got in this industry trying to figure out how quickly they can buy their boat rather than how quickly they could bring relief to people. And at some point in time within the next day, you know, and we really are at a place with this industry where we haven't, I mean, we're like the Wright brothers pushing that wooden plane down a hill. There's, there's room for growth. This will end up being in the next 50 years, probably a five, $6 trillion industry worldwide. It may be a trillion dollar industry in America in the next five to 10 years. So there's enough money out there for everybody to make a little bit. Now what we ought to start doing is trying to figure out how we can make sure that people have efficacious access to it everywhere in the country. Yeah. And that's the next point that I was going to bring up is that we are adopting a compassion program from LA Normal and This Is Jane Project. Mm -hmm. They both have a compassion program where all the MSOs, all the can of corporate companies out there can donate their products if they're still on the shelf two months before expiration. It's harder for them to sell it. So they are able to donate it to this program. So then people that have financial hardship can access it either for free or a penny or a nickel or somewhere around there. So it's really a great program that we want to adopt and really should be adopted in every state. Where can people go to hear a little bit more about that? Is there a website or something that gives people information? Go ahead and shout it out. Yeah, this is Jane Project is where we're getting our language to adopt into our bill. They've been giving us consulting complimentary pro bono with their team. Thank you to this Jane. 
This is Jane Project. And then also from LA Normal. So we at Illinois Normal are just starting up to develop that program here take some time to build up the committees to put in the efforts behind that. But we still need more volunteers. So if you are interested out there to put in some effect behind the actions that we're taking, we'd appreciate your help here at Illinois Normal and at any other normal chapter within your state too. Just reach out to normal.org. You know, I got to tell you now, I, I have been a, a supporter of normal, um, you know, um, uh, DPA, um, you know, several of the organizations that have been out here for years. And I was in a conversation just about an hour ago talking about the fact that, again, something that, that disappoints me in the industry is that in the last five to 10 years, there's been so much effort put into B2B and, and making as much money as people possibly can that we've kind of stepped away from the advocacy that should be taking place. What is normal doing on the national level? I mean, are we are we still going down and advocating in front of Congress? I mean, we got a weird Congress and Senate right now, I know. However, there are some of them that are still open to discussions about cannabis because they are looking at it as an opportunity to make money in their state, suck in more tax dollars. I mean, what's been happening when it comes to advocacy? Because I haven't seen a lot of that lately. Yeah. National Normal has a new political director, Morgan Fox, and we've been in communication through our conference calls that we have on a weekly basis and even outside of that. And basically at this point, the session is over. Everything has been that has been tried has been washed out. So now we have new sessions that we need to propose new legislation to this new government that we want to push forward with. So they're asking us, you know, what can we offer that hasn't been attempted or tried before that we can try a new angle, basically. Well, but you know, but the new angle really is the old angle. It's getting the consumers to pick up the phone and call their center and say, back the, you know what, off. I mean, that's that's A. And B, giving the consumer the information. I mean, all we got to do is just copy those who we consider our nemesis, the pharmaceutical industry. I mean, that's the reason why every single day when you turn on television, you see every 15 minutes or every five minutes, sorry, an ad for some new pharmaceutical drug. Well, I know that we're not able to advertise branded products. We can market information and education. That's where I mean, I think as you guys are putting together, you know, state initiatives, not only should they be donating in less expensive access to cannabis for those who can't afford it. But I think that, you know, those MSOs and all these national organizations and guys who are running out here trying their best to make as quick a dime as they can need to be putting some money in the coffers of organizations like Normal and other MPP and start re-educating. I mean, there's no reason why there's not been a documentary uh, released in uh, theatrically released in the last couple of years on cannabis. There's not a single reason why it has not happened. And when we take a look at the fact that Cannabis back in 2021 sold $25 billion worth of product in the legal market, another $60 billion in the gray and black market. There's no reason why this industry is not funding opportunities to increase that number in the, the, the legal market nationally, but we're not doing it. And I mean, at some point in time, I don't know when we're going to be able to bring, get some people together to sit down in a room and Stop when we're holding all of these huge conferences, all end up being B2B conferences, 
trying to sell another product to another person rather than coming together and trying to figure out how a rising tide lifts all boats. You know what I mean? If we all got together and said, enough is enough, let's go back to lobbying those individual congressmen and senators. Let's go back to lobbying those individual representatives and make them understand that this is something that's not going to get put back in the gate. It's out. Old Blue's running down the street. So since he's running down the street, let's run down the street and make sure he gets water and something to drink. <laughs> that's great to analogy there. Well, I think you just said it right there. We need to lobby, which is in effect is educate these. Yes. And then also when I reached out to some of the regulation agencies and told them about our initiatives with the senior education, they were thanking me. They said that they the only education that's available right now is through the media and it's doing a poor job at educating. The media is not doing a damn thing. In right? I'm not seeing anything. I'm not seeing anything of any value or any worth. Nobody talking about all the minor cannabinoids. Nobody talking about, I mean, yeah, you walk into a couple of dispensaries and every now and then you'll hear a bud tender or somebody who manages Actually, you'll hear them and they're knowledgeable enough to be able to discuss, you know, minor cannabinoids, terpenes, flavonoids. Yes. But does that information get outside of their doors? Not that often. And we've got to start putting a little bit of money and funding behind making that happen. And that pressure needs to happen. And it's been tried and we've had a little bit of effect where they uh, the MSOs give us some money to support the, the communities out there, but they have a lot more money that they could be giving out to the communities to give us support. And to the other side of these things, uh, the situation is the fact that, what's the difference of having legal weed versus street weed? It's supposed right. to be cleaner and better, right? But there's been studies, numerous studies across the country where the lab tests have not been meeting the standards. Here in Illinois, we don't even test for aspergillus, which is the standard in every single state. Aspergillus is what started the Black Plague. Yes. So that doesn't. And, and, and it can be easily found in some cannabis that's being grown across the country. I, I got to tell you, I would love to be able to get into Illinois. So any contacts you might be able yeah. to throw away, I'd like to get. We'll be talking for sure. sure. Now you, um, plan on, you plan on running for uh, to be the national director of Normal, not just Illinois, but all of Normal nationally, right? Yeah. So I was in the running for a national executive director. However, because I asked for the bylaws, I no longer have the opportunity to interview, which is really interesting as I was vetting out the organization, seeing where we are at, because it's an organization that started in the 70s. And I'm going to call some people out. It's been run by hippies, right? And hippies, peace, love, harmony. I have a little bit of a hippie in me too. People. Yes, I got you. But they've been ostracized and maybe even traumatized over the years of being told and scolded and told this is wrong and all that, right? So they've limited themselves of their capabilities of being able to go after the money from the can of corporate companies. But also my idea is why aren't we going to the industries that have profited off the backs of all these stoners for all these years, like the Mountain Dews and the Doritos and the Taco Bells. These are all intersectional within each other. So we should be able to support one another in making the movements happen that we want to here in the United States. Absolutely. And so now are you still running or you're not running? You are running. Currently no longer running, but I do have some other effects that we're putting towards a, a coalition built with all the other normal chapters to provide the support to national normal that they need. We're calling ourselves the friends of normal. 
Okay. Okay. And you've reached, they got a, got a coalition. Yes. We got some other chapter leaders from Arizona, Ohio, Indiana, Minnesota, Kentucky, and Michigan. So far it's kind of more so in the Midwest, but we want to expand it to other states too, because all we're basically doing is developing a fundraising program for them to be able to access their own sponsorship funds. We're all putting money towards national. This is all in the agreement. And what we do is distribute education through all of our platforms in a harmonious way. Oh, that's great. Well, you know, I gotta tell you, in the education world or Narendra, please reach out because you know, it's it's like I think I, I've been I've been on this this kick for quite a while. I do lots of dispensary visits. I'm up in Massachusetts right now. I've got my line up there. I, I will, like I said, I'll be in uh, Georgia. Hopefully, be in Missouri real soon, and I'd like to be in Illinois. However, you know what I do is I go into all the dispensaries that carry my product, so that I can have a one on one with patients that are coming in and I can explain, I don't think anybody can explain my product better than I can. So I want to be there to make sure they understand what differentiates me from the rest and why I think they might want to make that as a choice. But then I also give education just on the endocannabinoid system itself, because whether you buy my product or you buy someone else's, I, I, you know, I prefer you buy mine, but it's great. If you buy one, I just want you to become a part of this entire system where we're finally giving access to efficacious medication to all. Yeah. You know, I'm thinking out loud right now, I'd like to introduce you to Rebecca Abraham from Acute on Chronic. She's the founder and she's so passionate about talking about endocannabinoid systems and everything. So I think this would be a great interview. She just came back from Germany and Prague. She was speaking at the courts there because they're trying to figure out their regulations right now. And she'll be at in UN speaking uh, in September, I believe she said. Well, you know, uh, Germany did make uh, medical marijuana available um, and it's there now this year. I think, you know, a lot of people don't reckon, don't remember. You remember the old volcano? Uh, the bag? Yeah. Yeah, the volcano bag. That originally came from Germany. No so way. It was being used 20 years ago in Germany um, in some of the hospices that they had there. And that's a product line that, um, you know, and the Germans have understood the efficaciousness of cannabis for probably 40 years. They've just now actually, I think, legalized medical last year. But just like a lot of countries around the world, people don't know this either, is that, you know, there was a 1963 treaty that kind of banned hemp sales around the world. And I think we're up to like 70 countries now have pulled out of that treaty because they recognize the value of hemp based products for medicinal purposes. Oh my goodness, that is incredible. I didn't know that. Thank you for teaching me that. That's right now at this minute, you can get cannabis in Portugal, London, Colombia, Spain, South Africa. It's all over Uruguay. the world. Huh? Uruguay. Yeah, it's all over the world. And so, you know, I mean, where, where people are, have said enough is enough. We're not gonna let big pharma you know, rule our lives and determine our destiny. And so and I'm glad that people have picked up on it. Um, what are some of your other priorities in Illinois? Yeah, so um, last thing that we have on our future planning is in 2025, we're hosting a concert event in downtown Aurora, Illinois, which uh, we have an 8,000 person amphitheater, outdoor amphitheater, and the mayor agreed to this, to have an open consumption concert event. So kind of think of it like a mini Lollapalooza. Right. Trying to get 
everyone that's involved with cannabis to show up there in support to fundraise to get money to um, Second Chance Foundation, which is a foundation dedicated to getting more nonviolent cannabis prisoners out of jail. You know, an incredible, I, I've had that, I was fortunate enough to be able to speak at mm, two of the last three uh, 420 events in Denver, Colorado. 40,000 people at the Capitol. Four zero. It was the most incredible. I'm telling you, look out over that sky. I know it's the only thing they begged us for was don't everybody fire up at the exact moment at 420 because it would have been a cloud in the sky that would have shut down airplanes, I'm sure. You know, um, so yeah, as you guys uh, pull that event off, let me know. Because especially if you know, you're going to have that many people there, take advantage of the opportunity to educate. Take advantage of the opportunity to share information. You know, concerts, great. But, you know, having people have fun is great. But we need to make sure that they walk out of there knowledgeable enough to buy. You also have a retreat that you're working on. Is that right? Yes. Thank you so much uh, for bringing that up. So alongside my cannabis passion, I also have another plant medicine that I'm very caring for, and that is the psilocybin mushroom. Sure. I've been currently uh, going through cohorts. I already finished one, still have two more to go, under the Sanctuary Church, which is based out of Kentucky. I found them after a viral video back in January, and they are a mushroom church. They have no dogma, no religion that they are dedicated to. We all just see that we are connected with nature. And every Sunday, there's a free service for a half an hour that's recorded and available on YouTube. And then after that, the recording ends. And for an hour and a half, you can discuss all the integrations, all the weird instances and synchronicities that you see from your mushroom experiences in this reality that you have bringing about. So I am a facilitator. I am the microdose mentor on Instagram and every social media channel you can find me on. But uh, I've help people find their ways from PTSD to PTG. So post-traumatic growth. Right. That's excellent. That's excellent. So now um, with that, is, is that going to be part of this, this retreat or do that? Yes. yes, I'm so sorry. Yeah, so that is the part of the retreat. So I um, facilitate these retreats called Wellness Weekends, where people can come and have up to three gram experiences. So that is up to a explorer's experience. Up to one gram is a microdose, up to two grams is a creative dose, and up to three grams is a explorer's dose. Beyond that is when you can go into the breakthrough doses. So that's why I'm limiting it for the Wellness Weekends. And it's a place for leaders to be able to come to recharge I was identifying it as a workaholics wellness weekend for a while. I just don't want to have a negative connotation for workaholics because I am a workaholic. You just need to have that balance there sure. that's healthy for you because, you know, we need to have a lot of work and effort put in behind these movements. Not a lot of people are putting the effort behind it. So one person has to do more. If it was more people doing it, then it would be less of the work on one individual. If people want to get more information, where would they go? I am the Microdose Mentor on all social media platforms, and you can find me on themicrodosementor.com. And that'll tell people when the when when is your retreat scheduled for? So this retreat is this weekend, actually June twenty third through the twenty fourth. However, I will be having them every other month, so they are bi monthly throughout the year. And if you want people to get involved more in normal to help with cannabis legislation and also legalization and education, where would they go? You can find my chapter, Illinois Normal, 
illinoisnormal.org or on any social media, Illinois Normal. And then also there's the nationalnormal.org and that's N-O-R-M-L without the A. Okay. And um, again, if you want to, do you want to throw anybody our way or send anybody our way to be a member or be a inter- interviewee of this podcast, I would enjoy having them on and having discussions. Perfect. I appreciate you so much, Montel. And I'm excited to talk to you more about some different opportunities too. Okay, Margo, let's do it for sure. Let's get together. And uh, you know, I know you know Melanie McLaughlin in my office, so let's reach out to her and let's let's schedule something, okay? Perfect. Sounds good. Thank you. So I got to thank you so much for being a part of today's show. And I want to thank you for tuning into this edition. Let's be blunt with Montel. Thanks for joining me on Let's Be Blunt with Montel. Please make sure you're subscribed and hit the bell to be notified when new episodes post each week. We'd love to hear your feedback also, so please send us your comments. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. I'm Larry Mishkin, and I'd like to invite you to join Rob Hunt and me on our weekly podcast, The Deadhead Cannabis Show. Each week, we explore the latest cannabis and jam band news and reminisce with other deadheads and jam band lovers about the great musical acts that we've seen and heard. Check out a new episode every Monday.